Sustainability Unwrapped, a conversational podcast about responsibility, ethics, inequalities, climate change, and other challenges of our times, where science needs practice to think about our world and how to make our society more sustainable one podcast at a time. Hello, everyone. Greetings from Hankin School of Economics. My name is Manyang. Academy of Finland postdoc researcher and also assistant professor at the Department of Management and Organization at Hankan in Vasa. Welcome to listen to Hankan's Sustainability Unwrapped podcast series. And the topic of our episode today is business model design for sustainability as flourishing. It is our great pleasure to have two guests join this episode. Maya Hoveskog, who is an associate professor in innovation management at Hamstad University from Sweden. Maya's research focuses on innovation processes with special interest in sustainability-oriented business model innovation and value creation, teaching and learning in higher education in collaboration with colleagues from different disciplines, such as environmental studies and design studies. Would you like to say hi to our podcast listeners, Maya? Yes. Hi, everybody. I'm quite excited to discuss uh, this topic with you today. Another guest we have today is Nicole Norris, who is the manager of Center for Change Making and Social Innovation at Georgian College from Ontario, Canada. Nicole has an educational and professional experience in industrial design. She is an experienced facilitator in social innovation and social enterprise development. The center she's leading brings together faculty, students, and nonprofit organizations to affect positive social change and inspires the next generation of change makers to use social entrepreneurial skills and mindsets to transform their community. Would you like to say hi to our podcast listeners, Nicole? Absolutely. Hello, everyone from Canada. Hope you're well today. Thank you. So let's first get back to the basics. Maya, could you please tell us what is business model as a concept? Um, we need to think about business model as a simple model and a way to simplify reality um, and describe how uh, companies are making money. So in essence, it's the profit making logic of a company. We can see it as the business model as a configuration of different building blocks, exactly like Lego. Uh, when they are separate, the Lego blocks don't make sense. Put together in a particular way, they will enable an organization to create, deliver and capture value. So in that sense, it is the business model describes the value logics within the company. Um, and in most traditional way, the value creation, delivery and capture uh, is meant in monetary terms. So how the company is making money. Um, and this concept has become extremely popular recently due to the fact that research has shown um, that the business model have a determining role how well an innovation will be accepted on the market and adopted by the target customers. 
Okay, thank you, Maya, for explaining this concept. Yes, we do hear a lot of business model in various events, in research and in practice. So, Nicole, what is business model in practice then? Could you please explain more? Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. Yeah, no, business models are, like uh, Maya said, they're, they're sort of, it's sort of like Lego. So when you think about Lego sort of being spread out all over the floor, you know, those different colored pieces, the different blocks, like they're, they're pieces, right? Whether they're the activities of your business, whether they're the stakeholders. And what you're trying to do is in the process of business modeling, you're trying to put all those blocks together in a way that makes sense. And so um, you're doing that and, you know, you're pulling apart the Lego, you're putting it back together, you're finding the interconnectivity, the relationships, because the business model, the act of business modeling is essentially prototyping. Um, and when we think about the difference between sort of that process of planning versus prototyping, it allows an opportunity for everybody involved to sort of understand the model. Right. Like we we know in the research and, and, and what we're talking about that we've kind of got to get everybody on the same page. And that's what sort of the process is about. So if you're familiar with any sort of design methodologies or design thinking processes, it's this idea that you sort of um, you go through these different stages where you sort of ideate, you collaborate, you put it together, you pull it apart, you test it, you take a look at it. And so for entrepreneurs, you know, when we think about entrepreneurs that we work in sort of a practical level, um, it, you know, entrepreneurs are creating something that has never existed before. It's sort of a vision that they have in their mind and they have to sort of, they have to bring collaborators in, they have to be able to talk to their financiers. And so this ability to sort of co-create and assemble those blocks and then sort of put them on a one page document, it allows them to tell a story. And where it becomes really effective when we're talking about sort of existing firms, um, you start with sort of what does everybody believe the existing firm? How does it operate? And so you use those Lego blocks and collaboratively put those together. So the managers or the leadership gets together or the frontline get together, they assemble it. And then they say, okay, so we, we now understand how this model works. What then could, then how do we innovate? So then how would we innovate um, and change those blocks around? And so it really is a prototyping tool as opposed to sort of sitting with an Excel document and a Word document and writing it out. So kind of fun, kind of cool. I like it. What about you, Maya? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too, definitely. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Nicole. Yes, business model is indeed very useful for business and entrepreneurs in practice, as you put it really precisely, a prototyping tool. So now, Maya, could you please share with us your insights about business models for sustainability? Um, yeah, definitely. So um, we we said that the business uh, model is vital for um, the uh, how companies are making money. Uh, but uh, currently, um, we are uh, facing a number of uh, grand challenges. Um, that are of different uh, nature, rapid uh, population growth, extreme poverty, uh, climate change uh, effect, inequalities, pollution, you name it. Uh, so these challenges uh, imply uh, that um, companies need to operate in an environment with higher risks and uncertainty. Well, at the same time, um, those uh, challenges are posing a number or creating a number of opportunities for change. Uh, so organizations are forced to rethink their business models um, and expand their business logic to uh, implement not only monetary trends, but also integrate social, um, environmental and economic sustainabilities. Um, this means that companies need to reconsider how they create, deliver and capture um, 
value um, in order to proactively um, reduce those risks created with um, the grand challenges. Um, entrepreneurs and managers need to embrace a new fundamental shift from a profit normative logic uh, to a logic of sustainability as flourishing via business model innovation. And this is seen as an emerging uh, logic that is defined as sustaining the possibility that human and other life would flourish on, on the planet for gener the generations to, to come. And in that light, the key characteristics of business models for sustainability are first that they embrace this multiple value logic, monetary as well as environmental and social. Uh, they take multi-stakeholder perspective, uh, meaning that uh, it's not only customers and suppliers that are in focus, but uh, also environmental and social actors um, and, other, uh, and other stakeholders that are usually not considered when companies are business modeling. Um, and finally, uh, business models for sustainability are taking a system perspective, acknowledging that companies are uh, not uh, isolated islands, rather that they are embedded in larger social and environmental systems and have impact on those systems. Um, intentionally analyzing and uh, mapping uh, those impacts uh, are essential for this reducing uncertainty and risk mitigation. Um, so those three characteristics that I just uh, mentioned, the, multi, the multiple value logic, the multi-stakeholder perspective and the system perspective um, are uh, related to a shift of mindset from shareholder value towards shared value to system value. And explaining, unpacking these terms, it's the shareholder value mindset is putting focus um, uh, on the business in terms of profitability, while social and environmental aspects are considered as secondary. Um, uh, shared value is giving uh, equal importance to business society and the environment. And finally, the system value is setting focus on the fact that business is embedded and interdependent within these two larger systems of society and environment. Yes, very interesting uh, insight about sustainability as flourishing and also a very good inputs or and points on the multiple value logics, multi-stakeholder perspective and the system perspective. Could you give us an example of such a business model for sustainability as flourishing then? Yeah, well, one of my favorite uh, example is um, a Swedish company that is called Houdini Sportswear. Um, it um, offers a range of functional clothing uh, that is made um, like from renewable, recyclable and biodegradable um, fabrics. Um, their vision is obviously maximum experience, but this is combined with the vision of zero impact on the environment. Um, and what uh, Houdini is actively working with is to minimize their negative footprint and move beyond zero, like beyond the neutral, uh, leaving an entirely positive impact um, on the environment. Um, so this is an example of not merely thinking sustainability, uh, aiming towards neutral impact, but going beyond that, uh, going towards sustainability as flourishing, aiming uh, only not, not to be only neutral, but also to leave a positive impact. And when organizing um, their business, they are guided by uh, a framework that um, is called the Planetary Boundaries, created by the Stockholm Resilience Center. 
Um, and this framework guides the company's value logic uh, in line with the natural environment. What science has shown um, is keeping the uh, environmental system and the processes uh, that regulate stability and resilience of the Earth system. So based on them, the scientists propose uh, quantitative planetary boundaries which um, uh, need to be kept in order for the humanity to try for generations to come. Crossing those boundaries would increase the risk for generating large scale uh, irreversible environmental changes. Having all businesses aligning their activities and value logic within this framework is vital, but um, we are not there yet. Thank you, Maya. Yes, we are not there yet, but hopefully we will reach there faster. Following the example you gave, uh, can you explain why business model design is important and why using it as a tool is valuable for sustainability as flourishing? Well, now we are coming back to the Lego example a little bit um, and the business modeling experimenting um, and um, how you will design your business model and what aspects will be included is super important because once the business model is implemented and the organization is operating under those value logic, um, this will be really challenging to, to, to change. And uh, the business models research has shown that business models stay stable uh, during a long periods of time. Thus, the early stages of firm development when business models uh, choices are made are extremely critical to establishing the long-term goals, such as sustainability as flourishing. Um, these choices will have a long-term effect, as I already mentioned, on the company. Uh, and thus, what tool of, for business modeling is used um, is essential because this will uh, spark the dialogue and this will intentionally uh, bring environmental or social discussion into the business modeling process. Um, tools or toolkits um, in that um, context are particularly useful uh, because they uh, uh, effective way to support organizational decision making. Um, using tools can help organization to create a shared understanding that Nicole was talking about amongst diverse stakeholder groups. Um, and such shared understanding is extremely important, especially when a new mindset, a new paradigm is introduced that would require a change of mindset. Um, and managers develop and communicate different images, different mental images of their businesses, depending on how they visually represent their business models. Um, additionally, tools can integrate different perspective, um, perspective assisting mutual, mutual understanding and support coordination between people. Um, and they can create engagement, involvement, provide inspiration, and um, enable good communication. Uh, therefore, visual business uh, modeling tools um, have been uh, found to stimulate collaborative innovation, reduce complexity uh, within uh, a business model, and enable the firms to communicate, to tell their story um, outside to external uh, stakeholders, as uh, Nicole was talking about earlier. All right, thank you, Maya, for the explanation. So you talk about the, these tools um, for visualize the business model. So can you please tell us 
more about what exactly the tools are for business mod modeling then? Well, um, there is uh, quite many tools for business modeling um, and uh, one of the most uh, popular that um, has been for used for profit normative logic um, is the business model canvas. The business model canvas is a representation of visual tool for business modeling, obviously. Um, and coming back to the Lego metaphor, it shows it different business blocks that are put in a particular uh, structure. So um, the business model canvas is organized around the particular value proposition. Um, and um, this value proposition is offered to a particular target customer groups via particular channels and relationships. And all this is generating revenue streams. On the other side, in order to be able to provide this value proposition, we need to perform a number of activities. We need to make sure that we have access to the resources we need, and we need to, to have established partnerships uh, with um, suppliers that will give us access to resources and activities. And all this uh, is generating costs. Um, and um, how viable a business model is depends on the margin, on the difference between uh, the revenues that we generate and the costs that we generate. So this is the, the widespread and adopted in practice way to think about business models. Um, and the canvas shows the structure and the relationship between the different business blocks, as we already explained. Um, and the whole idea of these tools is to introduce this new paradigm going from creating a business plan that takes a lot of time and uh, you do a lot of investment um, and it's my turn that you have uh, invested a lot of resources in an idea that doesn't have any viability. Um, but in contrast, the business model canvas is allowing uh, quickly and inexpensively to test your idea and to prototype. So you are fast, efficient and quickly and inexpensively generate and test ideas with your with the help of your canvas. Instead of uh, investing uh, of those uh, weeks with the business plan, which is the old paradigm, the old way of working, managers can um, just quickly create different visions of their business model with the help with the canvas. Um, therefore, the, the canvases and the business model canvas in particular provides a common language as it, and is a useful um, visual uh, framework to enable managers to um, collaboratively work and co-create their business models as well as tell stories about their business models. Okay, thank you, Maya. Then I'm wondering what would be this business model canvas to like then when if we apply this uh, canvas to sustainability as flourishing, if I'm right, so-called flourishing business canvas, right? Yes, yes, definitely. So Nicole and uh, me, along with a large uh, group of uh, international colleagues, are working a lot with the flourishing business canvas. And we have been discussing a lot um, what the business model canvas um, did right and why it's so popular. And as Nicole likes to say, the business model canvas nailed the current paradigm of the business. Um, and um, while 
the flourishing business canvas is trying now to introduce a whole new paradigm and a whole new tool set and toolkit helping companies to establish a new mindset and work differently uh, where uh, in focus are first multiple value logics so environmental social and economical second multi-stakeholder perspective um, and uh, associated value co-creation and value co-destruction as well as a system perspective so what i earlier pointed out are the characteristics are uh, of a business model for sustainability um, and the flourishing business canvas further developed the business model canvas by uh, reflecting this new paradigm this new way of thinking sustainability as flourishing which is expressed as a normative goal going beyond less harm to create a net positive impact. So um, enterprises that um, adopt uh, in their business modeling processes, flourishing business ca uh, canvas can uh, aim to uh, create value for society and all stakeholders by focusing on creating social benefits, um, and uh, regeneration of the environment at the same time um, and on the level of economic viability that is deemed as necessary by its stakeholders. So we need to have all these three, um, uh, three um, values. So um, in other words, a flourishing enterprise is one that does good uh, to do well, both financially but also environmentally uh, and socially. Um, and the flourishing business canvas contains all the elements that the business model canvas have already introduced, so we don't lose anything there. Uh, but it also explicitly introduces three new contexts, the environment, society and economy. Uh, it takes uh, for perspective the process of how the company can create a particular value proposition, what kind of value is created and destroyed and for whom and by whom, so the people perspective. And finally, the outcomes measured in three terms again, monetary, environmental, and social. Um, and similarly to the business model canvas, it contains uh, 16 building blocks that would provide the dialogue and inquiry uh, of the people that are modeling um, how their current or future business model could look like. Right. Um, is there any key differentiating aspects of this uh, flourishing business canvas? Um, yeah, um, definitely. Uh, there are a few different aspects uh, in comparison to the business model canvas, but I would like to bring two of them, the value co-creation and the value co-destruction. Uh, and it brings these two bring the idea that uh, value is always co-created uh, and it exists through the relationship and in the interaction between two or more people or enterprises um, and each side in turn offers the other something of value. Uh, if we think about employees, um, they are gaining in, in, in return for their work, a salary benefits and development opportunities. Um, and a value co-creation uh, is most often not the particular functional attributes of a product or a service. For example, if we think about organic meal delivery service, the value co-creation is not the function that we have a delivery of a healthy organic meals, but it is more in terms that it provides, is it allows us to have more quality family time. 
Uh, on the other hand, um, while value is created for one stakeholder, from another stakeholder point of view, maybe a value is destructed. Uh, so if an enterprise, for example, dumps polluted water in a, in a river, preventing a local community from feeding themselves uh, from the fish in that water, there is a value called destruction there. Um, and value is co-destroyed for both sides. For the local community, value is destroyed uh, because uh, they can't really uh, feed themselves or they become sick because of the pollution. Um, or for the enterprise, value is destroyed because uh, they, they can um, run the risk of destroyed reputation, legal or regulatory compliances. And of course, relationships with other stakeholders who might regard this behavior as unethical. Um, explicitly thinking about value co-destruction and co-creation is allowing companies to proactively work and manage risks. Right. Thank you so much, Maya, for sharing your knowledge and expertise. Now we will move to the practice. Nicole, based on your experience and observation, how should we apply the Flourishing Business Canvas tool for sustainability? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Uh, so um, just sort of listening through and always really enjoying to hear about the canvas. It always reminds me why I love it so much. Um, and my fascination is in tools. So I'm really, um, you know, in my own work and my own research, I'm always fascinated by how we make life better for people, right? Like the world we have is designed. And a lot of times it depends on who's at the table, what designs come to market or, or whatever. So <clears throat> business model design is no different. And so if you're only taking sort of these viewpoints into consideration, or if you're only having these types of people at the table, we're not going to move anywhere. So and we're not going to change anything and we're not going to transform. And we know it's really, really important that if, we're, if we are going to get out of where we are today, <laughs> right. we have to start thinking about redesigning, not rebuilding. The rebuilding will come, but we need we need new different ways of looking at it. So, you know, from a practitioner standpoint, um, we use the canvas a lot um, at our institution to work with um, entrepreneurs. So we have people that are, you know, maybe they're starting, you know, in our world, social enterprise, or maybe they're a not-for-profit organization that are looking to diversify revenue streams so that they can expand their mission-driven work. Um, and so we 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 started working with the flourishing enterprise canvas, um, and we started to recognize just what Maya was sort of going through that it requires a paradigm shift. Yeah. And what I mean by that is when you think about systems change and you think about you know how things are done, you have to get to the root mindset. And we know that the root mindset is driven from an economic value perspective by GDP, by you know sort of the economic agendas of the day. And so, everything we do builds on top of that. And so the flourishing canvas brings in a new sort of root mindset, a new mental model about the role of business. Um, and so when we were starting to work with entrepreneurs, I mean, they were already coming in with that mindset. So one of the first things we had to do is build their capacity to understand flourishing and understand their capacity to recognize that value, you know, it wasn't about, okay, well, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna create money and I'm gonna do a little bit of good with that. Or, you know, I'm going to do amazing good with it, but I'm not going to make money. <laughs> um, so there was always this tension, right? And so the Flourishing Canvas really started to open up an opportunity to have those discussions. So it wasn't even the fact that you were actually modeling. 
when the, the canvas is laid out on the table, what it does is it challenges people to ask different questions because the, the profit normative boxes are on the canvas, but then they bring in things like ecosystem actors or they bring in biophysical stocks. And you're kind of like, well, what is that? I'm like, well, you know, a biophysical stock means that the earth has all the materials that we need to, to run everything or design from. So if you're building a phone, you're pulling gold out of the earth. Well, who, who pulls that gold out of the earth? Or do you know, And so what ends up happening is it really is a tool to open it up. So my fascination started to become with this idea of getting people into the canvas, right? So this idea like, and, and, and you know, the, the term is sort of like the canvas is sort of like the ocean, but to get to the ocean, you have to go down a river. And so the tool itself, I was sort of fascinated with this idea of how could we get people to the ocean and down a river? Um, and so that took us down a journey and I met up with Maya and Francesca. So at, at University of Ghent and Halmstad through this thing called the First Explorer Network. So what was really cool about how, how um, Anthony, uh, Anthony Upward um, and Peter Jones, who are sort of the creators of the ontology around the canvas, they started this um, sort of movement called the First Explorer Network. And what's really cool about it is they opened it up. You can sign up to join it and you get access to all the tools. And, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to say, work with the tools because it is a new paradigm, work with the tools and see what you come up with and, and share it back to the community. And so this is how I met um, Maya and Francesca. And what we were realizing is, um, uh, at UGent and Halmstad with Maya and Francesca, they were working with students and working with industry in different uh, different versions of it. And I was working with social entrepreneurs in Canada and we were running into the same issues, right? On um, the same complexities. And I wouldn't call them issues. I just think it's part of the design process, the evolution of this tool. And what we were realizing that um, it started to not necessarily become so much about the tool, but so much about teaching the pedagogy or the andragogy around the tool. And so could we redesign the tool to support the andragogy, to support the onboarding of people into using the tool? So it wasn't about, okay, here we go, we're gonna model. It was more, we had to, we had to ramp them up. And so, you know, our research started to look at, you know, is it more of a system of design? Right. Could we design a design system around working with the tool? And so that was what we started to look at so that we could get larger engagement because we recognized what we were doing is we were teaching people a new paradigm, a new way of looking at the world. We were giving them, you know, sort of inductive reasoning tools. Right. We were teaching them design tools and then to model these tools across three dimensions. So, you know, economic society and environment. And so that's a huge cognitive load huge cognitive load. Yeah. And and so with my background in terms of interaction design um, and sort of industrial design, recognizing that cognitive load is the first thing you have to get over when you're working with people. You have to you have to design information in such a way that it's delivered that they can comprehend, then use, and comprehend, then use. And so our research started to really look at more of the design system around the canvas. And that meant the visual interface of the canvas right? Like how is the canvas presented? So when you see the flourishing enterprise canvas or the flourishing business canvas, it's sort of got all these sort of dimensions and boxes. Um, the other thing too was we had to figure out a way to, to sort of give that information to flourishing. So that's where our research started to collide. Um, and we started to sort of start to collaborate and look at how do we evolve not only the tool, but also the way of working with the tool from a practitioner and an academic level. Yeah. Thank you, Nicole. Uh, Maya, how about you? Would you like to share your experience? How are you using the flourishing business canvas in education and also in collaboration in the industry? 
Um, yeah, definitely. What Nicole was talking about is um, is is providing a larger system of how we uh, together are using uh, in the tool. The key thing um, based on our experience is that practitioners, entrepreneurs um, or managers shall consider collaboration or co-creation involving different types of stakeholders they are used to work with when when uh, business modeling and using the visual uh, business modeling tool and especially the flourishing business canvas. Um, for example, um, um, in my experience, uh, it is extremely useful to convene education and uh, industry uh, as well as other stakeholders like decision maker makers uh, at regional level around a particular relevant problem or business challenge of the day. Um, so on one side, students use the flourishing business canvas to generate ideas um, uh, collaboratively with industry and other stakeholders where they learn the tool, the thinking around it and how they use it, how they apply the tool, as well as how they interact with different stakeholders, uh, which is particularly useful for their future work. Um, and I try to integrate this way of working in all the courses that um, I, um, I'm responsible for. And uh, usually I, outside of the course, I organize a large co-creation event or workshop where students and diverse set of stakeholders are meeting and through dialogue, they are coming up with ideas for business uh, models with the help of the flourishing business canvas. Uh, throughout the years, we have collaborated with different type of companies, startups, established ones, as well as support organizations like Science Park and incubators. Uh, a few years ago, for example, we focused our practical challenge was uh, focused on how plastic items can be replaced by biodegradable materials in the healthcare industry, in the hospital environment, uh, which is um, uh, was uh, a larger project um, within the strategic innovation uh, bio program bio innovation um, and our workshop uh, was one event within this uh, project so the leading partners in the project were two large regions uh, in uh, Sweden as well as uh, one company that is specialized in developing new sustainable materials and uh, within the project, um, at the beginning, they had already identified what kind of plastic products could be replaced. Um, and uh, then uh, the two courses that I worked with, uh, the students got the task that they need to take those ideas and see how they can create first a business plan in, in the first course, and then business model uh, for flourishing using the flourishing business canvas in the second course. And they came with concrete suggestions uh, how uh, the product concepts can be introduced to the market. Um, and uh, this was done in a process together with the industry and other relevant stakeholders. So I would recommend all companies, all organizations to undertake similar approaches and engage in collaborative co-creation business modeling for sustainability. This is great recommendation. Uh, how about you, Nico? Um, do you see that um, this flourishing business canvas as a tool are helping practitioners with their challenges? 
Oh, yeah, I think that's a, a loaded question, but I think yes. Um, and so at the practitioner level, um, there are many business modeling tools and artifacts that are developed for a practice-oriented purpose. So a lot of the practitioners, they're consultants, they're sort of making their living in a fee-for-service model. Um, and so it requires them to really sort of understand the, not only the business model canvas, let's just there, but now also understanding the flourishing paradigm. And so um, I think when we're thinking about these tools, I think there's a lot of research, but really where, um, from my experience as a practitioner or working with other practitioners, there needs to be train the trainer models for the practitioners. Um, because they're, it's such a different way of looking at things that they're spending a lot of time educating their clients or educating the entrepreneurs or educating the managers that they're working with, that it's almost, this is why a community of practice is so important for those practitioners. Like uh, Maya says, challenge yourself, but you're going to need to work with people because, you know, you're shifting, you know, you're really not, it's not really about the modeling piece per se. It's really about um, building the confidence that these tools are going to get you to where you need to go. And this concept of do good to do well, or, you know, do good to do well, you know, that has to be shown, not told. And so I think it's important that the research aims at um, looking at um, the, the usability of the tools, um, the human factor, right? Recognizing that, you know, sort of practitioners are in a pay to play marketplace. And so we also have to recognize that there's a business model that the practitioners have to, to run as well to be viable and to scale uh, some of these sort of things as well too, like incubators and different things like that. So um, I think in terms of our research that we're really starting to look at, and as we're looking at how these tools are used, we're looking at um, the practitioner who has to facilitate. And so that facilitation isn't just about, let's take you through a process and let's use the tool. The facilitation is also about, hey, these here's some new competencies that you have to build. Here's some new, here's some new understandings that you're going to have to build, and then you're going to have to piece them and put them all together. And so that requires, um, on the facilitator's point, it, it requires sophistication in the facilitator to not only understand the, the flourishing within themselves, <laughs> um, but also to embody it within their own model, their own business model. And so. Um, I find that very fascinating because it, it really is a collision of the theory, the practice and the process. And how do the practitioners office a service delivery of flourishing through their own model around using and, and showing the value proposition of these tools? So, um, you know, like, and also a new language, you know, Maya had talked about is a shared language. When you start to work with the canvas and the tools, you're really building a new lexicon, you're building a new language. So if managers start walking into the firm and they go to the accountant and say, well, have we considered the, uh, the, the, the value code destruction on those, you know, ecosystem actors, which might be a river, <laughs> um, you know, you're, you're sort of, you need to build that confidence up that those that those managers and those entrepreneurs also are embodied with that language and they also have the tools um, and the resources to back that up. So I think it weighs heavy on the practitioners at this point to really carry and champion this sort of movement into the, the flourishing and sustainability concept. Yeah, it, it helps to, to, to change the total mindset and that's uh, very important. Um, so to wrap it up, um, how this uh, business model design for sustainability as flourishing uh, today's topic, 
uh, as a tool has shifted your view or changed your practice. Maya, would you like to go first? Yeah, uh, definitely building on what uh, Nicole just uh, said, for us it's extremely important to see the usability, to see, understand and support the usability of uh, the tools, which in, in turn in turn will uh, facilitate adoption uh, of the tools exactly as the business model canvas have become the standard uh, of business modeling almost uh, globally. Uh, but for me, uh, being uh, introduced to the flourishing business canvas and uh, doing a lot of research around the usability of the canvas, um, it has helped me first to embrace complexity and not be scared. Uh, we have increased the complexity and we need to understand it. Um, be more inclusive um, and also proactively and intentionally think about possible unintended consequences. Thank you, Maya. Yeah, indeed, being proactive and inclusive. How about you, Nicole? Yeah, no, it's uh, for me as a designer, um, I think for me, it, it, it helped me um, really understand where I was placing my talents and my purpose. So as designers, we can be bolted into just about anything, uh, the way that we're taught, the way that our, our profession operates. Um, and so I think for me, um, working with the business model canvas um, and then predominantly the, the flourishing business model canvas, it gave me an opportunity and a language to know how um, I can support organizations uh, to design better strategic uh, plans. Um, to me, I'm fascinated with um, creating human-centered or eco-centered um, designs and strategy. And so it, allow, it, it sort of allows me to sort of go in and work with um, uh, people and show them, not tell them. Right. So that we can actually use those tools and we can co-design together. So um, it really solicited to me how much the tools that we use to design with matter. And it's not, you know, Adobe Creative Suite. It's no, it's dialogue. And it's sort of these Lego pieces that we're talking about. And and so, yeah, it, it, to me, it's really passionate and it allows me to sort of build a life's work <clears throat> out right. of my design. Yeah, excellent. Towards the end of this episode of our podcast, I would like to ask both of you that what the action points or key takeaways that our podcast listeners should remember. Nicole? Yeah, I think I'll just riff off uh, the tools that we use to design our world with matter. Um, and if we are not including different worldviews, <clears throat> if we're not including um, you know, different ways of looking at the world and creating value or identifying and measuring value, uh, then we're not going to get ahead. And so that, for me, the flourishing really opened up my eyes to that. Um, and we're using it at the Center for Changemaking and Social Innovation at Georgian College. We're sort of using it ourselves now to uh, look at how our model operates within a larger sort of uh, public institution of, of higher education. And so how is that changing our relationship to our major stakeholder? And how are we now as an entrepreneurial model offering value back to a larger uh, post-secondary education system? And so, yeah, um, using, using the tools that we're preaching and um, it, it just, it really shows, it, it really shows like, the tools that we use to design with, they really truly matter at the end of the day. Sounds great. Maya, how about you? 
Well, um, as Nicole said, I can only um, appeal that you need to try the canvas. The more you're using it, the more you are kind of making sense of it uh, and realize uh, different ways of um, how you can apply it and how it can be um, uh, useful. Um, and um, as we said, it's all about uh, the work um, and uh, meeting like-minded uh, academics and practitioners. So it's a, it is a paradigm shift we are talking about. It is a mindset uh, shift we are talking about, a new movement we are talking about. So um, take action and become a member of the global community of like-minded individuals that uh, is trying to drive this change, that is forming this uh, movement. And there are multiple ways to engage. Um, I, my, I mentioned here just um, a few. Um, the first one is the new business model conference, which is a part of an international series that gathers researchers and practitioners that are interested uh, in business model innovation for sustainability and what is the role on the system, industrial, organizational and impact levels. Um, so, the new business model conference and the community that it convenes um, is working and trying to introduce uh, this new paradigm to promote the paradigm we were talking about in this uh, podcast. This year's conference team is new business models in a decade of action, sustainable, evidence-based and impactful, um, and it will take place on online between 7th and 11th of June. Um, there are a lot of uh, interesting uh, tracks that we are having there, um, over hundreds of presentations from international um, business model scholars. Um, we are uh, having workshops that are also showcasing the business modeling tools and approaches that this community has been uh, doing work on um, and uh, have really interesting keynotes and panel discussions. So there is a lot of food for thought at the conference. And uh, there you can uh, actually um, have the opportunity to connect to this uh, community and together uh, take action to see how this body of research that he, we have been generating as a research community can be transferred to, to practice. Um, and other ways to connect to, to the wider community and be part of the movement is to um, become a member of the global community of first explorers that uh, Nicole was talking about, which was so crucial in our joint uh, work and research project that we were uh, talking about. Um, um, and uh, finally, you can be also part or uh, join the strongly sustainable business model group, uh, which is on LinkedIn. Yes, so take action, use the tools, they matter. Thank you so much, Maya and Nicole, for joining today's podcast, Business Model Design for Sustainability. Stay tuned, bye, and thank you for listening. Bye.